Welcome to Our Own Elysium, where we, as one part of the greater collective, get to stand in our power and manifest the new earth together. I'm your host, Elise, a Reiki master, NLP practitioner, and student of astro-herbalism. I believe that God gave us all the tools we need here on earth, from the zodiac to healing herbs, to really bring about heaven on earth. This podcast is designed to offer you a light in the dark so that you may come to know your own personal power, your ability to heal and bring about all that you desire. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get started. So in this episode, I really wanted to cover off on my history, some of the things that have happened in my life that I believe were contracted to happen in this carnation and to just also go into what it is that I believe about life, uh, about the universe and all that good stuff. So to kind of wind it right back to my childhood, one of my earliest memories, and to be honest with you, I don't know if this came to me in a dream or what, but around about the age of, I want to say between four and six, I became aware of this memory or this visual knowing. So we will at another stage and in another episode talk about uh, the clear senses. But I had a very, very visual understanding or memory or experience where I actually feel I remember being born, which... uh, I think a lot of people think that's probably absolute madness. Uh, But for those uh, who are playing along at home and want to hear this story, uh, I was a C-section baby. So uh, it's not really funny. I believe I was born at about 36 weeks uh, gestation. And my mother's uh, obstetrician wanted to go on a golf trip. So I had to be born early, which is crazy crazy but I was born by c-section and I have memories of cracking my eyes open so from going from darkness to opening my eyes and looking up and seeing the doctors and the nurses behind masks and little caps that hide their uh, hair and keep their hair, you know, from falling out um, into open wounds and so on. I also remember the big surgical light and sort of muffled talking because I didn't obviously understand it. And then I remember sort of opening my mouth for this first time and taking that first breath of air. Now, again, there's obviously no way to actually validate this. It's just this inner knowing. And it came to me at such a young age. And it sort of never left me. So I've had the memory of that memory at that age or the memory of that dream from that age. But because I was so young, I I struggled to remember whether it was a dream or whether it just came to me. I just know that I became very aware of that dream or memory recollection between the age of four and six. So that kind of kicks us off on this kind of spiritual journey from a very, very young age. I would have to validate some things um, with my parents before I sort of go into any of the other things. Things I know that happened very much from that age onwards. I 
just had extra senses. I could just feel certain things. I think I became an empath um, or I was born an empath and became aware of my empathic abilities from that age onwards. But something I do remember, and again, this is another episode topic that we can sort of explore in greater detail in future, but uh, I have memories of every night of my life from about that age, about, you know, sort of the five, six mark, say, up until I was about 12. So about that sort of initiation into puberty period where you become super self-conscious and kind of super grounded in what it is that's going on for you as an adolescent. But I have these memories from a very, very young age of every single night of my life while I'm asleep in my bed, dreaming that I am falling, that I am like falling out of the sky. And I have skydived. I skydived with my now husband the day before he proposed in New Zealand a few years ago. And it is the same feeling, exactly the same feeling, just that I was falling and falling and falling out of the sky, basically until I smashed into my body and sat bolt upright. Now, I also have this feeling that I was also experiencing amnesia. So I have heard over the years that children are taken into ships above the earth. Now, again, my amnesia is still definitely in place, but I am getting uh, through that wall, that absolute fog more and more every single day that I dedicate time to this. But I have heard from other light workers um, and, you know, spiritual beings on earth that um, a lot of children were taken and not so much tested. I don't want it to be like, you know, an abduction and, and tested, but it was more of their consciousness was invited to leave them during their sleep, go to the ships. And it's almost like it's a bit of an initiation process, but it's also a test in terms of seeing who consciously has retained some of their abilities. And then of course, because you come back into this human body, you actually, uh, you know, experience amnesia and you don't have those memories kind of moving forward once you're back inside your human body. So I don't know whatever came from that. I almost feel like I didn't pass any magical tests back then, um, you know, with high distinctions. I, I did actually perform very well under stress later in life with, uh, you know, the indoctrination of schooling. But at the time, th those are my memories. And so when I have heard that, you know, people have regained some of their memories of being taken onto these ships above the earth uh, consciously, it makes sense to me that I have come spiraling and like just falling, falling, falling straight back to earth. And then I just have these memories of slamming back into my body in the middle of the night and just throwing myself upright. And that, that went on right up until, um, puberty really for me when I started losing that connection but it makes sense too because you're going into adolescence um, and any of these tests or trials or whatever it is that they were you know exploring with us up on these ships puberty is the time that we start losing all those abilities anyway and we can become very much grounded here in the 3D I'm not sure it was always meant to be like that but that is how it is in in this life so kind of moving on from that I had some kind of 
in unexplained, like ghostly experiences, hauntings, if you will. Uh, my mum also experienced this as well. My mum's hypersensitive as well, I would say. So there, there were definitely things in my childhood that make so much sense to me now in terms of the unexplained. And paranormal just means not normal. And the more that I go down this spiritual pathway, the more I'm actually having an understanding of it's, it's just not normal to this uh, 3D sleep, I guess we're all in as we are initiated into what the powers that be have created this human experience. They've, they've tried to control us and control the narratives and control every essence of our life. So that will, we will talk a lot of more, a lot more about that in uh, more of our upcoming episodes about disclosure and the nature of this beast that really is uh, the negative powers at play in the world today. But so whilst this was all happening and I've mentioned before, I'm a Gemini. So there's often these two lives kind of happening throughout my childhood. I was really, really badly bullied. Sometimes it got violent. I started putting on weight from a about, I actually went through my school photos uh, the other day and from memory, I was actually not as big as I thought I was back then. So in my mind, the mental ego had me convinced that I was hugely overweight and I deserved the bullying that I got, but I was constantly this fight of trying to prove my worth to everyone and just being in this constant battle with bullies and you know, the particular schooling that I received, particularly in primary school and so on. At about the age of 10, I had to have an operation on my toes. I was an overweight dancer and unfortunately I hid from my parents that I, I'd, I'd had a few um, adjustments made to ingrown toenails, but I sort of hid out how bad it was. And ultimately that resulted in having to have an operation to permanently remove um, both sides of my big toenails. Now, this is a hard one to talk about because I feel I was butchered, absolutely butchered during that operation. And I obviously live with those effects today. And I felt for so long that they were a deformity. They gave my bullies something extra to bully me about. And it's one of those things that is added to those humiliating aspects of you know experiences that you have in your life. So before I get into this particular story, I just want to give a trigger warning to any sexual abuse victims or anyone that is going to be triggered by any references to childhood sexual assault or anything like that. Shortly after this, I attended a Catholic school. The church associated with Catholic school was right next door. My grandmother had been taking myself and my sisters to church. Basically, as a child, I was, I would probably say groomed and I was sexually harassed and assaulted, clothed in the back corner of the church for an extended period of time. My sisters were right there. It was happening at church on Sundays. My grandmother was made aware of it and I was, yeah, I have to be very mindful here, but I was told that I was disgusting and he was a poor old widower and basically just to endure it, you know? And that was, as I've learned in my recent, my most recent shamanic journey is that uh, this is where my very first like really traumatic soul fracture occurred. And um, I was convinced 
that this old man in church had that part of my soul, but it was actually my grandmother who had that part of my soul. And I'm not surprised. So this is obviously a traumatic experience. And I think we have to be very careful that we don't spiritually bypass people when they go through an experience like this. Obviously, a lot of children have had, you know, worse abuses in their life. And, um, you know, this isn't a comparison. I just want you to know that if any of this has ever happened to you as a child, be it sexual or emotional, psychological, physical abuse, I know what that feels like. And what I say next is not to spiritually bypass. This is what I have come to learn over my life up until now as I try to heal and integrate the lessons that I have actually learned from some of these experiences. So in no way am I spiritually bypassing myself and in no way would I attempt to bypass with, you know, spiritual um, explanations to other people. We're all on our own journey and ultimately this is what I have come to rest well at night with having uh, learned these lessons and integrated but at the time that all that this was going on, it probably went on for about a 10-week period, um, this, this sort of abuse that was happening in church on Sundays. Um, and in the end, I was put in a position where I actually said to him, no, and he threatened to do it to my sisters. So again, I'm just trying to protect um, them. The majority of it happened to me. I think my sisters have some kind of aspects that they, they remember certain things. My littlest sister was very, very little, um, but the middle one's only two and a half years younger than me. And of course I was between nine and 10. But anyway, I was very, very much aware of the event that occurred for it to kind of burst into being this really traumatic experience, which is probably why my grandmother wound up having that part of my fractured soul. This, this is kind of twofold. So during this time, and I was still being bullied at school, this old man would also turn up at the fence and sort of leer at me. He would also sort of take the abuses and the bullying that I was getting about my newly deformed toenails after the operation. And he would actually twist that and try to groom me with that by saying things like, oh, your toenails are beautiful. I think they're beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Awful, disgusting stuff that, you know, a 70-year-old man should not be saying to a nine, 10-year-old girl. Just not on, right? But he would use that and try to get in with me that way. And I was fully aware of what he was doing. I was fully aware of him grooming me, but my grandmother wasn't listening at the time. I feel like I had a very rocky relationship with my mum and there was just not a lot of people I could turn to. None of the teachers at the Catholic school were in any way sympathetic to my situation. A lot of them made me feel like I brought it on myself with these bullies. Little did I know that a lot of them went to school with the mothers of these bullies. So no one was ever going to listen to me, right? So I actually stayed at my grandmother's house, I want to say just after halfway in this 10-week period. Trigger warning to anyone who has ever had uh, suicidal thoughts or has ever had anyone in their network actually follow through on those. This is a trigger warning for you. You may like to fast forward or skip this episode. Where the guest room was had a little drop down into what was a sort of ensuite bathroom in this room at my nana's house. 
But this drop down was also had another door that accessed an under patio sort of area. And so she would actually get mice and rats and rodents. They'd try to come in that way. But fortunately, there was a big enough step that they never actually got into that guest bedroom. So she actually had rat sack behind the toilet in there to obviously try to take care of any of those rodents. And I believe this particular night that I was staying over at my Nana's, I tried to talk to her again about what had been happening in church, just kind of begging her to listen to me and to help me. And it didn't end well. I don't think I finished my dinner. One of the biggest, you know, mortal offences you could do to my grandmother is not eat all her food and storm away from her. So I'd shut the door and lock the door and I actually lay in bed crying. And this, this is, you know, sort of building up to this kind of pivotal moment. And in this moment, I actually my train of thought went straight to the rat sack that I knew was in the ensuite and that I could end all of this right now. So I had straight away thought about this rat sack and that if I ate it all, maybe I would end this absolute, you know, turmoil that was my existence at the age of nine and 10. And I actually, and this is, this is where I feel my higher self came in because it triggered me so much. I cried and I cried and I cried. I wore myself out so much just crying that I actually fell to sleep. And the reason that I reference my higher self is just purely because I think I triggered something in myself that was like, no, you don't want to do that. It's not your time. Things will get better it's not the answer. Your time's not now. And I think it just triggered in me this absolute immense sort of grief, this kind of outpouring of that emotion around that. And I cried myself to sleep and I had the most vivid dream. I dreamt that this huge, beautiful angel came down to me and scooped me up in his arms and telepathically told me all those things that I had sort of just felt but were not really, they weren't hitting home. I didn't have any reassurance. I was so weak from the whole traumatic experience and having thoughts of, you know, really finishing my life that to have this experience, it was so real. It was so vivid. And, you know, telepathically, I even though I had been brought up Catholic, I hadn't actually really connected with any of the angels through Catholicism. And the name that I got from this angel, I asked him, who are you? And he said, Michael Angelo. So as a child, I was creative. I was artistic. I was beginning to learn about artists and whatnot and, and different paintings and styles and whatever else. And a lot of times things that I would, messages I would get would be through some of the modalities and things that I already know about. And that, that is common. You know, a lot of our guides and a lot of these angels and these interdimensional beings will actually communicate with us through the things that we already know so that there is this understanding and it's just the way that they are able to communicate. That's really what it boils down to. So I came to learn that this was the Archangel Michael, in other words. And uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful experience whilst also traumatic. So anyhow, a few weeks go by and things are getting worse in the church and getting worse at school. And, you know, I've had this reassurance from this beautiful Archangel Michael that things are okay, that they're holding me, that I'm, I'm being supported and that everything's going to be okay. But in my actual life, things are dramatically getting worse um, over the last few weeks. 
So the day before this sort of big fracturing event happened, I was at home in my own bed and I had a dream that it was almost like a future prophecy because obviously I was so stressed and anxiety ridden about what fresh hell this old man had installed for me um, at church the next day. And basically I dreamt that at the end of church, uh, he would pull my grandmother up outside the church doors and ask her if I could come to his place for a, you know, morning tea or what have you. And in this dream, I was just silent. It was like, this was just, you know, almost like prophecy playing out. And I didn't say anything. I just kind of let it all sort of happen in this dream space. My grandmother said, yes, she may go with you. He walked me home to his house. It was like I was a zombie. It was like I was in a trance. I said nothing. I just went with it. And he tried to bring me cookies and make me a cup of tea. And then it was this culmination of he he was going to attack me. And I felt that. And I got up and I bolted. I ran upstairs. He was in a two-story house. I've never, ever seen his house, mind you. Upstairs while he's chasing me. And I, and I know what follows. Again, trigger warning um, if you're still listening. And essentially, I, I'm dreaming that this is nine. This is at the age of nine and 10, right? But I'm, I'm dreaming that a rape or a potential rape is to follow. And I essentially throw myself out of his top window trying to get away from him I hurt myself but I get up and and I I I go but I am severely injured and that's basically where the dream stops that's where it ends so I wake up the next day and I come to church with my grandmother and my sisters and it's the day I say no it's the day I tell him no please stop stop touching me inappropriately on top of my clothes stop saying disgusting things in my ear, just stop. And I didn't say it in so many words, but he immediately reached over and put his hand on my baby sister's leg and sort of tried to raise it up her skirt. And that's when I went, not her. So I go through this absolute tug of war with wanting to stand in my power and my sovereignty and him just bashing me back every step of the way. But there was no way on God's earth that he was going to do what he was doing to me, to my baby sister. There was no way. So church ends. We go out the front and he says to my grandmother, can Elise come back to my place? And it was like the dream coming true, except this time I knew what was to follow. This time I turned on my heel and I ran. I didn't even wait for my grandmother's answer because I already knew what was coming. I turned on my heel. I ran. I ran across the road in traffic of everyone leaving the church and I ran the one, two, three, four blocks home along the main road. Bearing in mind, I'm nine, nine, ten years of age here. I don't believe my mother was home. I locked myself in my room first people I want to talk to. I believe I tried to call my aunt. She didn't pick up. So I called my cousin and basically this started World War III, but it also ended this absolute terror of a time that I was having at church. Things happened with my grandmother. Everything came to the light 
and essentially was kind of dealt with from memory because of the bullying and everything that was happening. This is about the time that I started counseling, like group counseling with other bullied kids. And my mum decided she'd had enough. She pulled us out of the Catholic school and we went to the public school, like literally on the opposite end of our block. And honestly, so I was year five going into year six. Year six was the best year of my entire schooling up until high school. So that's really the end of that aspect and that story. I had a few sort of minorly kind of insignificant spiritual experiences throughout my high school years. I was very much concerned about getting A grades. I was so stressed. It's about the time that I fell in love uh, with Harry Potter. The books came out first and then the movies came out and then I was obsessed with Emma Watson and I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to escape my life. So there's these aspects that were happening as well at the time. I wanted to keep up with the Joneses, but then also in the background, I had weight issues. I had acne. I had the most debilitating allergic reactions to certain foods. And then of course I had the thyroid condition as well. So everything was very much not even yin and yang because it was so out of balance, but it was always good or bad or both happening simultaneously at the time. And, you know, in hindsight, just such a Gemini existence. It's like being a double agent and living two different lives. I had some subsequent issues with men, boyfriends, some things that kind of correlated. My parents wound up splitting when I was 20, just turning 21. And obviously that's private, but I had mirroring reflections in my relationship with my high school boyfriend who I had been with with for nearly four years. And yeah, that all ended very uh, dismally and very messily, but it had to, it, it needed to. It was another chapter that needed to close for me to obviously move on with this initiation into life. So to kind of hark back to what I was saying with spiritual bypassing, I have come to learn that we have soul contracts in life and that we're contracted to learn these lessons. It's to do with the karmic balance and the samsara reincarnation wheel that we have going on. But I'll speak to that a little bit later. But so a lot of these things are not fair. There's a lot of things that operations, health conditions, sexual trauma, physical trauma, mental trauma, all of these things that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemies are not really all that uncommon. I don't know anyone through my work with clients and generally that's, you know, the nature of healing and and spirituality and these things that we speak to. A lot of people have had experiences like this and a lot of us have a lot of traumatic experiences in our lives and we have these soul fractures. And so a lot of it is gaining healing and integrating these lessons back into your life in some way. Otherwise, we're never fully healed. We can never, ever move on with our lives. So that's my little sort of spiel for there. To bring it forward, as I did reference in uh, the first episode, I have just come out the other side of my Saturn return. So for anyone who's kind of new to astrology, the basis of this is that when you're born, you have a set blueprint of where all the planets are in relation to you and the planet Earth at the very, very time of your birth. And as you can imagine, Saturn is a lot further out from our sun. And so its orbit is a lot bigger than say ours is here on Earth as we go around the sun. And so your Saturn return 
Saturn, it takes roughly that 28 to 30 year mark for it to actually orbit the sun. And so the Saturn return, or at least your first Saturn return, happens between that age of 28 to 30. So it has its first full orbit and comes back around to the same place it was in when you were born. And Saturn as an interplanetary energy brings with it challenge, limitations, restriction, boundaries, a lot of karmic stuff comes up too. So it can be a very, very tumultuous time. And it generally illustrates the closing of one chapter and the initiation into another, basically, as you go into the new phase of your life when you turn 30. And again, we will talk more about that in future episodes. But essentially, that is what a Saturn return is. And we all have one. So whether or not you believe in astrology or it's something that you've studied, you will actually find a lot of answers to that, which is why I've dedicated myself to astro herbalism. Again, it's the only thing that speaks to me. It brings the whole story together between astrology and with herbs. And we're, again, going to get more into that as the podcast kind of goes along and I film more episodes. So Saturn return. I had my baby girl two weeks after I turned 29. So this is, it's sort of building up between age of 28 to 29. And then thereafter that kind of postpartum period that for me was a lot longer, I feel, than, uh, you know, it is for some other people when they first become a mum. Arguably, yes, for the first time, but also for for the second as well can be included in that because obviously it's a very different experience. No pregnancy or birth or child is, is the same, right? So this is my first baby, a lot, a lot of heavy stuff that I'm not going to get into um, just for privacy reasons of people in my family came to be. It got very, very toxic and 50% of those people are no longer in my life and 50% of them who have come back into my life are very, very close to me. But those relationships are definitely different to what they were beforehand. I sort of don't really want to go back to the way they were, but I have no idea how they're going to progress and I wouldn't call them perfect relationships now. So I'll just kind of leave that there. But it seemed to me that from the time I announced my pregnancy at 28 and a half till when I had Luna, my daughter's name is Luna and she has just turned two, that period was incredibly dense and incredibly traumatic in the sense of Basically, my whole relationships, my whole world with my family just kind of erupted and everything I felt I knew was beginning to explode again after it already kind of happening with um, people in my family, you know, a few years earlier on in my life. Now, bear in mind, I am only, you know, trying to, for the sake of time, stick to things that are actually relevant to the purposes of this little historical lesson and story of how I've kind of come to be. So lessons in this is that just because we're blood family doesn't mean that one, you can't have boundaries, two, that you have to put up with narcissism or abuse from anyone in your family. And three, you also can forgive each other, but that may not be on your path. It's very hard because as I said, I speak to, you know, not even really 50%, but I speak to a few people in my family. Again, now we've found, you know, that kind of equal playing ground. And then, you know, the other sort of 50%, maybe a little bit more, are basically completely out of our lives. And a number of those people still are quite toxic towards me and through those people that I do now speak to. And 
again, you have to be able to have boundaries. You have to be able to call out narcissism and you have to be able to decide for yourself whether or not you can find that equal playing ground or whether or not for the sake of karma, yes, but for your own sanity in general, what it is that you are going to put up with. And I know that time tends to heal, but everyone is on their own path. Everyone's on their own journey. The perspective that I get from my situations and experiences and the lessons that I choose to take away at the time might not be exactly the same way that, you know, my sister or my mum or whoever it might be would take from exactly that same situation. And I think that just boils down to the fact that we are all on our own path. We all have our own soul contracts and we're all part of a greater whole. We all have different perspectives and we also have different objectives here on earth with our mission and our purpose and, and so on. So I've gone through this Saturn return. I've had this absolute upheaval. And then this is throughout my pregnancy. And then I have my daughter and I experience such a traumatic birth that I'm actually not really walking properly for that kind of first three to four months of my daughter's life. And five days postpartum, I'd been home for maybe 24, 30 hours. The epidural that I had had finally fully worn off and I experienced basically an out-of-body experience. I experienced a ripping seizure in my body focused on my lower back and it actually threw me out of my body. Now, I'm going to save the details of this for an episode on astral travel and out-of-body experiences, so definitely stick around for that. This is really just to paint the picture for you that there's trauma, but there's learning, and there's spiritual experience, and there is just this absolute puzzle of my life that I've had to try to put together. And I'm doing that through further study and the qualifications don't even really matter to me so long as I'm doing everything in my best and highest good and to serve greater humanity. Obviously, you want to learn from truthful and qualified masters of their craft, for example, uh, Reiki masters and teachers. You don't want to just kind of guess and then say, oh, yep, you know, I'm a Reiki master now, pay me. That's really quite nefarious. It's not what, you know, you want to be about. But in terms of what it is that you are trying to achieve, your intention is going to be everything. And I just don't feel that darkness or any kind of ego has a place in a world that is built on light. And that obviously manifests itself in a lot of different ways. So to kind of pull it back, I get through my traumatic birth experience. I learn to sleep differently, hold myself differently, walk differently, or, you know, try to walk more uh, and not continue experiencing uh, these sort of -of out-of-body experiences where my spinal cord, really the physical aspect is that my spinal cord was damaged again. (laughs) That's another story. Uh, But yeah, really coming out that other side. And sure enough, what happens when we come out the other side? Well, if you've been following along with the timings, coronavirus hits and I am thrust into essentially the great awakening and total utter disclosure of the nefarious agendas and the nefarious beings that are in power and in control on this planet at this certain time. And then we sort of sum up the closure of the Saturn return by me essentially losing all of my friends. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, um, you know, I laugh because there's nothing else to do at this point because I've come to terms with it. I've come to terms with the fact that just because someone's family and their blood doesn't mean that you have to create more and more karma by living in this clashing existence with people that is not serving anyone in a positive way. And I've also come to learn that despite the fact, same as with friends, despite the fact that certain people might have been in your life for a decade, sometimes that chapter ends. You fall out of alignment with each other and that's okay. That doesn't have to be negative. You don't have to have a massive fight that blows up in your face and then basically you tell them to get stuffed and you want them out of your life. It doesn't have to follow through like that. By extension, I have some friends that I still am willing to see and I'm still happy for our kids to play and, you know, we just kind of get on with it. And if you guys are hearing this at all, you're probably very surprised to hear any of this coming from me, just purely because there are aspects of our lives that we keep to ourselves. And from that kind of psychological point of view, we all have different personalities that we sort of put on like a mask, pardon the pun, because I don't wear one. But, you know, we put on these different personalities and behave and sort of carry ourselves and express ourselves in different ways with different people. That's, that's more psychological. I learned a lot of that during NLP. But from that kind of spiritual standpoint, it's also becoming very prominent in this path that I'm kind of on now that I have to, have to, have to. It is imperative right now that not that I just speak my truth, but I actually live it. And I need to marry this kind of outward expression of myself with this inward. And I hope that we can integrate that into our relationship and if not, that's okay. I love you. And I, I love all the people that have come and gone throughout my life. And I'm constantly sending you love on your journey through this life. And, you know, with your own contracts and your with your own things that you need to do in this life. And that might not be on the same scope as anything here that I'm talking about. And that is okay. That is completely fine. So to kind of wrap up that part, I want to sort of finish off this episode by discussing some of the aspects of what I believe. Now, we would need a million and one episodes for me to actually really get into what I believe. And then if I was to film it the next day, it might actually come out completely differently because I don't really have a lot of notes for podcasts or episodes like this because I'm just trusting that my higher self is just going to work through me and I'm going to speak exactly what's on my mind today, what's in alignment, what I feel needs to be said. And so, yeah, to bring it fully back to this, um, you know, I just trust that I am being guided and that something I say is going to resonate with someone and really have that impact that I desire. But I also know that we're all so different and that's what makes us unique and that we're not all going to completely agree. So I just want to preface that as we move into this last stage of what I believe and, and what you can expect to sort of hear more on in this podcast. But I've chosen 12 beliefs and this is nowhere near how many beliefs I actually have kind of come to form over my existence um, as, you know, Elise May from the family How <laughs> in this incarnation. Uh, and I have begun unlocking uh, past lives and regressing to some of that. 
I've also been fortunate enough to channel my future self, which is something that I will probably get into as well in a later episode. Uh, so yeah, let's dive into what it is that I believe so that hopefully you can see some kind of mirroring in your beliefs. And again, if that is something that you want to hang around for, if that is something that interests you, if my perspective on these areas and these beliefs is something that uh, you agree with and yeah, you want to hang around and continue, you know, listening to what it is I've got to say from up here on my soapbox, proverbially. Okay, so number one is that I do believe in God. There was a significant amount of time there where I felt so let down by Catholic school, so let down by the Catholic church. I felt the confines and just felt that something wasn't quite right solely about the Bible in its wholeness. I felt like there was more and I felt let down and so I kind of turned away. And at about the age of 15, uh, we did an excursion to the Buddhist temple in Wollongong and uh, I really started finding solace in some of these more esoteric and spiritual uh, belief systems and cultures that I have had the absolute pleasure of looking into. Because I let me tell you something, I am obsessed with ancestral cultures, these historical cultures, and I don't believe we've been told the truth about all of these in our indoctrination, or sorry, should I say schooling. So anyhow, my belief in God is that there is a greater, higher source. No matter which way you go in terms of your belief system, there is a God. He is not a he. She's probably not a she either. Although, you know, in the essence of uh, spirituality, we need a male and a female to kind of bring that all together and to create in general. But aside from that, I do believe in God. I do believe that God is the creator of all, including the universe. And I think the way that a lot of religions think and speak about God is that he is a close to a man, that he is, you know, some kind of being. And I don't really ascribe to that. I more so believe that there is a consciousness out there that when we are born into 3D reality, into form and matter, and we as humans obviously are form and matter, that we also have a piece of this consciousness. And I'm still working on like the dimensional aspect of things. You probably hear a lot of people talk about, you know, the third dimension and the fifth dimension and ascension. I have some sort of varying ideas about that. And that's not really the way that I kind of sort of gravitate. But when it comes to God, I believe that there is this divine, infinite intelligence that is consciousness and everything comes from this divine, intelligent consciousness. Second to that, I believe in Jesus. I do believe that Jesus walked the earth, but I do believe that Jesus is what would most spiritual people say is an ascended master. Now, this would put Jesus perhaps on par with people like Buddha and, you know, some other, I want to say, cultural, not gurus. I hate the word guru. Um, well, I don't really hate anything, to be honest, <laughs> but um, I, I just don't resonate with the word guru per se. I think these ascended masters, all of them came here at different times and showed themselves to different people so that they could try to wake us up from this collective dream that we've all been under 
that is uh, imposed on us by the, ne the nefarious people who control this earth. And I think Jesus was one of those ascended masters and he showed himself to certain people who wrote the Bible and wrote about certain things. And then, you know, we have Buddhism and then we have the Chinese aspect and then we have, we have all these different cultures, even the original people of Australia. As an FYI or a side note, I don't like using the word Aboriginal because ab is like abnormal. It's not normal. It's a bit like paranormal or abnormal. The Australian Aboriginals by, known by that name, are the original people of Terra Australis, I believe is uh, one of the names given to Australia. So the original people, their teachings about star people and crafts in the sky to me are way more on par with our history. And I just believe that different people or different ascended masters, different beings, different expressions of consciousness were shown to different cultures uh, throughout time. And that has developed into our different religions as they are today. Now, the problem with this box that a lot of religions have created around themselves, a lot of us followers of these particular religions do not realize that the nefarious powers that be have gone in and inverted everything. They have their claws in everything. And I know that this might sound nuts to someone who's never heard this before, but to those of us who have done the research and can see it from both a spiritual psychic view as well as with the hard, rock-hard 3D evidence, which is the paper trail of people's quotes of the nefarious company that they keep, what these people do. Yeah, there, there has always been room for inversion and there has always been room for corruption, even in these things that seemingly cannot be corrupted. People will believe whatever they want to believe, but when they are misinformed by someone who is supposed to be of righteous authority, then, you know, this is where we get this kind of awful chaotic sticking point, which at the end of the day is what is attempting to be achieved by these nefarious people. You could even go so far as to use the biblical term Satanist, but that's where we are. Moving on. One of my biggest, biggest beliefs that is part of my work is that God gave us everything we need from the Zodiac, from the planets to herbs to plants on earth. I really do believe that we were made by and created by God. And again, you can use whatever word suits you. My husband cannot stand the word God. He had a negative experience with, in his terms, Bible basher growing up. And uh, he cannot get on board with the word God. So if God does not resonate with you, you are probably in the position I was in where I just did not resonate with anything that was, you know, strictly religious because it felt wrong. So in my mind, all these different aspects of what we've all tapped into, whether it's God in any kind of religious sense, whether it's the divine, whether it's consciousness or infinite intelligence, Allah, Whatever word you have to describe that sort of majestic, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-being consciousness that is this infinite divine intelligence, I feel like I've just gone round and round in circles, that is the word that you will use in place of the word God. But for the purposes of uh, this podcast, I believe that God gave us everything we need from the Zodiac to herbs to heal ourselves, to stand in our power to help us create certain technologies. By extension of that, I believe God also gave us energy, frequency, and vibration. 
the spoken word. The spoken word is something else that God gave us. And we are able to manifest our intentions into reality through that spoken word. That's why you hear of prayer and meditation, that there are certain rituals or verses or things that people sort of use. We're using the spoken word. I don't like using the word spell. I think it has negative connotations, just as God does for some people and for others. There is only God, you know, so please interject where wherever you need to and put in place the things that you believe or that you resonate mostly with so god gave us everything from the zodiac to healing herbs to energy we have everything that we need to create heaven on earth either within us or at our fingertips on the earthly plane that is probably one of the biggest things that i sort of want to drive home here because it is the belief and the and the absolute essence of my work that's you know really how i'm going to be attempting to help people is through you know energy healing through herbs healing herbs and obviously through the zodiac and astrology there is so much here that god gave us it is even in the bible and I think it is time that we really get back in touch with that to save the earth. I mean, it really has come to that point now with everything that is going on in the world. We are coming to a crossroads and it is up to us to hold the light, to be the light, to speak the light and to do everything that we can in our power to serve the collective and to be in our highest good, to express our highest good. And that really, to me, is the absolute essence of life. So bringing that back again to life, I believe in reincarnation. I believe what the Buddhists believe in terms of the samsara wheel. Again, this is just, you know, you can look at correlations um, with the wheel of time, with the Mayan calendar. There's so many different kind of facets of these sorts of ideas that you can look at all of these things as separate and go, this is all different. None of this makes sense. Everyone has different beliefs. I don't know who to believe. But when you actually step back and you look at the whole and you look at the similarities that different cultures and religions actually have within them, you start to see that the different facets of the same coin. And that's what I want to drive home with my beliefs about God and whatever yours are. So I think we create a wall when we attack people for using the word divine, when to you, someone who might be religious only knows God, you must call God by his name. And I think we need to be very, very careful with where we are pushing our beliefs and our judgments into a demanding way on other people. Only God can judge. And I think that judgment also comes through karma, through the reincarnation and through all of these different lessons that we really have to integrate into our lives so that we can reach that highest good, so that we can really be clear and clean channels so that we aren't indoctrinated, so that we aren't taken advantage of, so that we can see clearly the nefarious agendas at play here so that we can see where we're sort of tripping up and we can grow our discernment muscle and actually get to the truth of all things. Because to me, God and consciousness in and of itself is truth, is love. If there is only two things that all of this boils down to, it's truth and it is love. And I think when we put those two together, there's no bickering and fighting as to what is, you know, 
the cold hard truth because everyone's truth is slightly different so if we can approach this with love and understand that we're all part of a greater whole we're all part of god and we're all part of this aspect of i believe of god wanting to experience itself it wants to grow its knowledge and express itself in creative ways and i think that's what we are as celestial beings as earthly creatures with these 3d rock solid bodies that's really my beliefs around that next i want to talk about soul contracts so we've talked about lessons we've talked about being really mindful of spiritual bypassing but overall i do believe that we have certain contracts that we have that we agree to before we incarnate so in terms of reincarnation we keep coming back i think there's two sides to that reincarnation where consciousness wise we are from potentially off planet we might have had past lives because we're all little pieces of god we've all got pieces of god within us that's the soul that's the consciousness that reigns within us that keeps us all together that has that infinite connection i believe that this particular soul that we have been gifted in this body in this life has probably had multiple lives on earth as different things, probably multiple as humans, but there's consciousness in everything. There's consciousness in plants. There's consciousness, obviously, in animals as well. And in each of these incarnations, we are learning. And I do believe that we have certain things contracted to us so that we might be able to learn these lessons, so that we might uh, be able to add to that collective infinite intelligence and knowledge and turn that into wisdom. And so when we turn that into wisdom, we turn our lessons into wisdom, we begin to learn not to create this karmic imbalance. So karma is also another major factor. And karma is also part of uh, the 12 universal laws. And I do believe in those, and I will be going to those in greater detail in another episode. Finally, I just sort of want to touch base on inversion, the agenda, and what I feel is really the de-evolution of humanity. So a lot of people believe that we are at the cutting edge of technology, and I just don't believe that is true. I believe that people that came before us, potentially the Atlanteans and Lemurians, I believe that they had interdimensional help, cosmic help, galactic help, if that's how you want to call it. And I want to kind of marry this idea that there are aliens out there in aircraft and kind of offer this perspective where I believe that aliens and interdimensional beings are one in the same. So when we get really into talking about energy, frequency, vibration, particle versus matter, I think we're really going to hit home on the nature and the variation of consciousness and how this actually works outside of this 3D solid form matter realm that we currently exist in here on earth. And I think it can be hard initially because I look back at my life and I can see how I was so utterly confused and I can see why I was living this double life and you know the nefarious agendas that were at play and how they indoctrinate us and we have to go through schooling and we have to spend a bomb on university and we have to do this job to pay for the mortgage and we have to have x amount of kids and you know all this stuff and it's a massive massive distraction to me what i've come to learn is that so much about what we believe to be true when we're in the collective dream that the nefarious have us under all of that is inverted and it's the opposite of the truth. And not only that, 
the opposite of the truth that we're at the cutting edge of technology really leads to this fact that we have actually de-evolved. I believe we have forgotten. I don't think amnesia is just an issue around reincarnation because we come down. I'm still working on this knowledge as well, but we come down through the dimensions. You know, we might be a 5D soul that comes into a 3D body. We experience that amnesia because our brains, we're only using 10% of them. What's happened to the other 90%? I believe we've de-evolved. I believe something happened in our history and I believe it's been hidden. So in terms of why that would ever happen, it's because it's the agenda of the nefarious few. A lot of people call them the elites. A lot of people call them the Illuminati. Some people will even call them reptilians, which is a reference to an alien species. And maybe they are. But overall, I think the technology has been there. I think we've forgotten, we've experienced amnesia and we've de-evolved. And these aliens or this concept of aliens, it's other than us. Of course, it's been inverted. Of course, the powers that be who are nefarious do not want us connecting through our consciousness that these aliens are not aliens at all. If you're an alien in another country, you don't belong there, yet you're an earthling. You belong on earth, at least in this very life you do, even if you are from off world or your consciousness has evolved over many years and spent many years elsewhere and has this knowledge trapped within you. I really do believe this. But aliens in and of themselves are not separate to us. I believe they share the same consciousness that we do with God. And by extension, I would call them interdimensional beings. I don't think aliens is the right word. By extension, I think our understanding of angels has also changed over time. And I have just settled on interdimensional beings. These are other beings that operate outside of the 3D sort of frequency that we have, or they have technology to kind of come and go from this sort of dimension. And that's why we have things like you know, spaceships that are sighted and then boom, they're gone, you know, and we've had these sightings happening over the years and we're really only scratching at the surface here. There's a lot more to come on disclosure, but as I promised in our very first episode, I want to make sure that we are pulling everything together in an empowering way and closing off each episode with something that is positive, empowering, but also like the lessons of these things, right? And that's not always going to be positive, but I want it to be empowering. I never want anyone to leave any kind of interaction with me, whether that is through a podcast or a post on social media, not that I really use it because it's obviously controlled by the nefarious few. But, you know, if I do go down that path, I don't want anyone leaving a post on social media, a podcast or even a one-to-one session with me feeling disempowered. No one has the right to do that to someone else. And I certainly don't want to play into those lower sort of more negative densities or frequencies. So to kind of sign off on this super long podcast and, you know, close off on a really positive point about, particularly about my beliefs, I believe unequivocally that we were not only given everything we need from God to be able to manifest the new earth, I believe that there are also 
forces working in our best interest. Because by everything I've said, by the fact that there's a greater consciousness and that there are interdimensional beings and technology that we don't know about, the saying that the universe has your back, the universe in its entirety, God, all of the other interdimensional beings, angels, whatever you want to call them, I really do feel like subconsciously and our best and highest selves, we're all working together to bring about the new earth. The message I have for you is that you are not alone. You are never alone, ever, 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 ever. God is just a prayer away, so to speak. Setting your intentions and connecting with your best and higher self, meditating, going and sitting down at the beach or finding, you know, a nature walk to go on, getting in touch with earth, with Gaia. This is how we marry it all together. This is how we find that beautiful alignment that we need to be clear channels. This is how we begin to not only heal ourselves, but carry that healing through our day to day. And ultimately, it's how we manifest heaven on earth, which is the new earth, not this new age kind of idea of it, but dropping the old paradigm, the old earth that no longer serves us not going along with the nefarious agenda of the new world order, but actually taking back our power as sovereign, powerful, beautiful beings of the light and creating the new earth for ourselves. And just know you can do this and we are all here with you. If you're interested in working with me, please head along to ourownalysium.co and let's explore how we can co-create together.